Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side. It's the 49er Faithful UK Show, week 10, and Niners football is back after a very welcome week off to get healthy and get things fixed. Hopefully, everyone's been cheered up by us sitting back on top of the NFC West where we belong, mainly thanks to the Ravens absolutely battering the Seahawks. So I enjoyed bye week anyway. So week 10 is a cross-country trip to face the 6-2 and two Jags, who are also coming off their bye week and a five-game winning streak. The Niners need to get back to winning ways and put the disappointment of the last three games behind us, while the Jags will want to extend their lead in the AFC South. I'm Gareth Ellis, and I am joined by Lee Gowland. Hi, guys. Najee Kwa. Hello, everyone. And Paul Hope. What's up, Fairfell? Good to see you boys from our little bit of a hiatus, a missed show. Terrible. Um, Some sideline changes are going to occur at this game. Uh, Wilkes will be down on the field, as well as some potential returning players, which I'll get to in the injury report. Chase Young is fully expected to make his Niners debut. Do you think it's going to make much difference where Wilkes is standing during the game? Yes. Maggie's nodding. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's what we do, isn't it? We feed off each other, we celebrate, we, you know, it's a defense that thrive on momentum and, you know, working on together and being a team and having him down there celebrating everything that the defense does, I think will help. Or at least it will make him understand what is, how we operate. <laughs> Our Sally and Demeco. I mean, we can all remember from last year, a couple of years, you know, the, that big smile of Demeco on the sideline every time, every time something good happened. It's contagious and, and it helps you keep it going uh, throughout the games. And also firsthand, you know, feedback. If something doesn't go well, you don't have to talk to him on the phone. You can just talk to him face to face and that probably has more impact than... Uh, yeah, you you know having a phone call and sitting on a bench. Um, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. We'll see if it makes a difference. I think Chase Young will make a difference. That's for sure. Especially when we uh, when we get to talk about uh, the injuries that Jags have got and everything. But yeah, it, I'm excited. It's it's, full, it's Niners football. <laughs> We're back, and uh, it's, it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a good game. So I think it actually might have a negative impact. Oh, uh, I, I don't think he's the type of coach that comes down. And stands on the sideline. There's a but reason he's up in the booth, and it's that's that's the way he likes to operate. He prefers that way. If you're going to hire somebody at that level and pay all that money, you do not tell them how to do their job. You let them do the job. But he was on the sideline when he was at Carolina. I know he was a head coach. So I was going to say that was completely yeah, it was completely different. different head coach. But he was calling the defense as well as being the head coach. But, and but he was the head coach, so he had to be on the sideline. And the Panthers turned their season around, kind of. They started playing much, much better when he take, took over and was on the sideline. So, well, was it was that not just a case of a change is uh, as good as a rest? So that's why we've done a change because <laughs> it's as good as a rest, and we got the rest, we got the change. Yeah, but it's still the same person calling the players, and that, that's the problem. Well, I think it's a good test. If anything, it'll tell us that maybe he's not the guy. F- to run our defense and we can look the, for somebody the, else the next game, season. The game against the Jags isn't going to tell us anything because Chase Young's going to be playing. It could be the Chase Young factor. True. Not the fact that Steve Wilkes is sat on the sideline or stood on the sideline. I think well, this could potentially backfire. Mm, 
that's I'm cheerful. Confident. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Thanks, but it's Lee. honest. It's honest. <laughs> yeah. Paul, you get quiet. Well, I think the problems, chap, centre around the fact that Wilkes has clearly got the X's and O's. He's got the acumen, as you said, Lee. They've brought him in. That's how he coaches. But I think with him being the first outsider brought in under this management team, I kind of agree with Nadji, and I agree with you. I think we might as well give it a go. I think Fred Warner said it better than I can in his press conference. Warner didn't know. So they asked him at the press conference, have you heard about the change? And Warner was like, first I've heard of it. And he explained that the linebackers had been getting the play calls from Holland. So to, to Warner, he doesn't think the change would be that big of a deal but I think Shanahan came out and said he wants Wilkes on the front line he wants him to be there get a feel for the players and I think that's the problem there I think if you look at the 49ers defense a lot of the players look a little bit confused it seems a bit mechanical it seems like they're doing the job that Wilkes has told but I think we've lost a little bit of that natural ability Nadji talks very highly about Huff sometimes he's an impact player. He goes with his uh, natural feel, where under Wilkes it seems a little bit like the players are doing a little bit what they've been told, rather than kind of going with the natural instincts. And like Richard Sherman said, don't overcomplicate it. Let your front four go after the quarterback, and if the front four get home, it'll let the secondary do their job. So I'm excited to see Chase Young, more than I am to see Steve Wilkes stood on the sideline with a clipboard. But Carl Shanahan knows more than me, Gareth, so if he thinks it's a good idea, I'm all for it. Do we not think <clears throat> our defence is largely run by, you know, the the heads that we have in there, you know, the Fred Warners and the Bosses and Armsteads and Hoff and Gibson, very experienced people. And I think no, I think, I th- th- I think the last three feedback. games I think the last three games has proven that they're not. Mm. But that's what I mean. They should be, as well as, you know, I think well, that's without a shadow of a doubt. And having direct feedback whilst you're on the sideline, whilst you're coming off the field, either because we stopped somebody or because we've, you know, let a touchdown happen. Having Wilkes there listening to the player and telling them what is going wrong firsthand, I think is a good thing. It, you know, it puts you right down in the trenches with the people you should be with. I, I don't know, I prefer it. I'm worried, Najee, that it's something he doesn't like to do. And like Lisa, he's out of his comfort zone. Yeah. They've brought him in for a reason. And I am a little also, bit nervous of... if it, yeah. He's not He's not D'Amico. He's not Salah. No, I mean, no. We I, all I got we, that gif of Salah doing the double fist bump. Exactly. I shared that on Twitter far too many times. You know, D'Amico, that they were kind of in with the players, weren't they? And like Lee said, I don't think Wilkes is that kind of coach. But... We could come back here on Monday, chaps, and be like, what a masterstroke. Carl Shanahan, yeah, well true. done. <laughs> but also, you know, the guy's getting paid millions to coach a defense. You just you need to do what's working. I, I don't really care if you don't like it. It's your job, mate. Just do what works at the end of the day. If you don't think, like it, you can go somewhere else next year. What do you make of it, Gareth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's the thing. I mean, what, what he, he could perform better, open the booth. He, he may already know. But he doesn't perform as well, stood on the sideline, which is why he sits in the booth. Yeah. That, that's why I said people know how they how they work best, how they're more comfortable. Yeah. And to suddenly true. tell him to how how to do his job, it's not going to make him better. It's going to make him uncomfortable. But if the, if that was the case, I'm pretty sure he's a strong enough person to have said, I'm not doing it, I'll stay in the booth because that's where I'm the best. He, he and might he have. didn't. 
He, no, yeah. we don't know that. We don't know. No, that. we don't know. We, we, we only yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. We only know what's come out of Santa Clara. He may very well have turned around and said, "No, I'm going to sit up in the booth." And Kyle could have turned around and said, "Well, if you're going to sit up in the booth, you're out of a job, son." Yeah. It's it's the adjustments we want to see better, isn't it? But mm, again, yeah. maybe I'm being optimistic. We had these teething problems under Salah. We had them under Ryan's. Hopefully, the bye week. Given the fact that Chase Young was coming on a bye week, he's had that extra time. Maybe we see a different package from the Blitzen because we were all excited to see what Wilkes was going to do with the secondary. I don't think any of us thought that the front four would suffer. So now maybe we've had time to reset. Like you said, Lee, we only know what the team have released, but it'd be pretty big if Wilkes has said no and then Kyle Shanahan's got his way. Mm. It'd be interesting to see what the players make of it on Sunday. Because if yeah. Wilkes is just going to stand there with his arms folded and not show any emotion and not show any kind of difference of being there, it kind of seems a bit counterproductive in my opinion. Yeah, he might as well be such yeah. a booth then, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We'll see. Mm. How about you, Gareth? <laughs> what do you think? I think the the ch- we talked about a change being needed. Maybe maybe this is something. Um, there's a change there, but some of it is scheme. But I think we've all seen the sets about how many missed tackles the defence has done this year. That's the one thing we really need to clean up. Um, we can clean up that. Whether that really matters who's on the sideline to clean up those, I, I don't see a direct connection. But maybe maybe there's there's a, a focus that the coach being on the sideline can help maintain because he's there with you uh, and, you know, encouraging and, and maybe a bit of a rollicking as well uh, if, you're, if you're not quite doing it. That maybe that will have an effect. We will we will see. I think I I partially agree with Lee about if that's where he's more comfortable and that's where he feels he's going to see the game better, then that's maybe where he should be. And I do think that potentially there's there's other coaches on the sidelines who could step up and provide that energy um, and be given a bit more license to have a, a bit more leadership on the sideline without Wilkes needing to be there. But we will see. He's down there for this game, so uh, let's hope it's a, it's a good catalyst. So should we crack on with the, uh, the injury report? Good and bad news. Aaron Banks is pretty much certain to be out. He's listed as questionable, but I think we know he's out for a few weeks with a turf toe. Uh, but Debo is off the injury report. Trent Williams hasn't practised, but that's probably not a surprise. I think we're all hopeful he's still going to make it back. And Ray Ray McLeod and Drake Jackson are both listed as questionable. Positive news for some reinforcements. Practice windows have opened for three players returning from the IR. They were placed on at the beginning of the season. Robert Beal Jr., Darrell Luter Jr. and Lee's buddy, Sammy Womack III. As for the Jags, uh, cornerback Tyson Campbell, safety Andre Sisko and wide receiver Zay Jones are all questionable, but they did have limited practice on Wednesday. Other questionables are linebacker Yazir Abdullah and guard Ezra Cleveland. They've also got quite a smattering of players who are pretty much out, I think, for most of the season, um, but no names that really... Um, I knew, let's face it, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to say that. So it's good to see us back healthy. Um, I expect Debo to hit the ground running, and I do expect Trent to hopefully be back. So good omen for the game. Paul, start with you. Yeah, I'm not worried about Trent Williams. John Chapman tweeted out, Trent Williams doesn't practice on a Wednesday. So I think after bye week, we're looking for kind of any kind of news. It was great to see Debo out on the practice field. He looked fit, he looked healthy. 
he, he said as much to Kay Adams, which I love that Debo does a regular show and we get to hear it from the players' mouths. But uh, yeah, the Jags have been beat up all season, which is a bit weird given how well they're playing on both sides of the ball. But like you said, I think the bye week came at the right time for the 49ers, Gareth. So Shane Banks isn't going to be playing. Um, obviously, the offensive line has been an area of discussion for most 49ers content creators. But given that we're recording this on Thursday night, I'm not panicking at the moment. What do you chaps think? Do you think Trent Williams plays Sunday? Do you think we're just being safe and sorry? Yeah, he just he doesn't practice Wednesdays. It's Wednesday. Why would he practice? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm comfortable. I mean, if Trent, if Trent doesn't play, Trent doesn't play. Jalen yeah. Moore plays. Yeah, he's yeah I mean, without Banks and Trent, that's that's a bit worrying on the left side for sure. But you know, um, turf toes usually don't go away that quickly; they tend to come back as well. So I'm a bit worried about Banks more than well, anything. It's, really. it's what finished Patrick Wilson's career. Yeah, I was going to talk about number fifty-two. Um, yeah, he basically quit the game because he couldn't handle it anymore it was just too painful to play with it and recovery was it's a quick recovery but it just has a tendency to come back um quite often and worse every time so yeah i'm a bit bit worried about that because um i mean our yeah our line is probably our weakest point i mean definitely the youngest if trent isn't there so um yeah i mean we'll see i think we'll be fine ultimately Mm, good. So, before we look ahead to the offence and defence we'll face on Sunday, let's join Lee Gowland in his history corner as he looks back on the half dozen times we've played the Jaguars before. Have you found something interesting out of this uh, fairly slim pickings, Lee? Um, I have, and I'll have a question for for you all about it later. So, as Gareth just given away there, there's been six meetups. The 49ers are leading 4-2. The 49ers have actually won the last four, with the most memorable game outside of the Wembley game being the 44-33 victory on Christmas Eve back in 2017. This game was a scoric army and hasn't been repeated since. The one and only time a game has finished 44-33. The 49ers are 2-2 in Jacksonville with a 2-0 record when playing on the 2-0 record when playing on the West Coast, with both games split between Candlestick and Levi's. There's players that have played for both teams, as you can imagine. Um, on the current roster, Brandon Allen, Chris Conley, Deshaun Gibson, R3. CJ Bethard is still at Jacksonville. Um, I've got kind of a soft spot for CJ. He never, he never materialised into the quarterback that we wanted him to be. But he was as hard as nails. Uh, he, yeah. he took a battering and kept yeah. on coming back. There's also Blake Hans, who we signed and released within the space, space of eight weeks. Never actually played a down for us. And Jermichael <laughs> Hasty, another guy that I really liked when he was at the 49ers. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Playing Gabbert? Did Gabbert play for the Jags? He did, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, the most important player to have worn both colours is Chase McLaughlin. Now, I can hear Nick Ludlam screaming because I've mentioned that name, but he did play for yep. both teams. Yeah, I heard it here up north. On another note, wide receiver JJ Stokes, who was drafted 10th overall 
1995 also played for both teams. After a slow start to his rookie season, Stokes ended up with 38 receptions for 517 yards and four touchdowns. Now, who threw the last touchdown to J.J. Stokes in 1995 in his rookie season? Who threw the last touchdown of his rookie season in 1995? I should I should have some suspense music going here. <laughs> the the look on all of your it's, faces. It's, it's sounding like a trick question. Like it, is, it should isn't be it? obvious. Yeah. I have no idea. Go I'm on, I'll say guess because I, I get it. N- nobody's even going to guess. Steve Young then. Oh, but yeah, that would be the obvious guess. It would be. Yeah. And Steve you Bono. would be wrong. Yeah, You'd exactly. still be wrong. <laughs> it was actually thrown by Jerry Rice. I was going to say, is oh, this like wow. a... Yeah. 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 I can already hear Alex Simpson fact-checking that. If it's wrong, do let us know, Alex. So, 95 was his rookie season. 96, he suffered a broken hand quite early on and missed most of the season. And that actually led to the emergence of 49ers' third-round pick in 1996. Some guy called Terrell Owens. I, I think he might have... Had a decent game or two. Um, so he came in in 1996, and uh, obviously the rest is history. And that is pretty much it for History Corner, given that we've only played them six ga- six times. You did well to mine, yeah. mine what you could out of that. Well done, Lee. Well I'm, done. I'm wondering how, much, how many of us from the group, and let us know in the comments if you were at the game in London. I, I know I was. Um, did Vernon Davis had a crazy game? To touch his subject, for I me think that he one. did. Yeah, Kaepernick yeah. scored two rushing touchdowns. That was a yeah. game where I was supposed to go. My daughter was just born, didn't go. Thought I could sit at home on the sofa, Nadji. They'll come over next year, and <laughs> they've never been back since. So <laughs> it's a bit of a touchy subject for me. So, so if you recall during that game, and I think it was quite early on. Um, we, we played our first kind of trick play where everybody was shouting at Bruce Miller to get off the field because there's too many pe- people on the field. So he ran all the way up the sideline, but didn't go off the field. And that's because oh. we didn't have too many people off. So nobody covered him. We, we snapped the ball, went straight out to Bruce Miller. Had he been a little bit quicker, he just got a touchdown. But instead, he only, I think he got something like 59 yards. Right. And then I think cool. we scored the very next play anyway. Yeah. That's a good game. I think I there'll remember. be a few in the group. I've seen some photos, and yeah. uh, when you think of the I'm Jags just wondering game, how many. Yeah. yeah, it'd be cool to know. Let us know. Mm. Yeah, let us know. So, should we look at our opponents' uh, offense? Let's let's do Jags' offense. Then. So, who's got that? Uh, it's me. That's me. Hi. Off you Hello. go, Nadia. Um Well, um, where do we want to start? You let me know, guys, and I'll talk about it. You want to start talking QB, running backs. Uh, Wide receivers or offensive line? You choose, and I will, I will go there. QB, let's talk to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trev, um, I, I like the guy. And obviously, I've, as you all know, I've been watching college for quite some time now. And when he was at Clemson, he was a joy to watch. He actually had never lost a game in college until uh, his very last national championship. Wait, no, he won that one. I can't remember now. Uh, memories eludes me but it basically had gone through his entire career playing football up to the point he came to the nfl without losing a game um 
even in high school, he never lost a game. That's how good uh, he was. And he was obviously the number one uh, pick in the draft in uh, in 2021. People that can see, uh, that are watching can see on the screen. Um, yeah, I, I think he, he's, he's the one that got suffered the most by uh, having, I forgot his name, a head coach uh, coming over to Jacksonville. Oh, good night. That's him, Urban Meyer, in, on his rookie season. Um, what uh, a failure that was. Um, but I think he's repaying it, and it's basically in his second year now. And he's playing really, really, really well. Um, you can tell this because they're primarily passing the ball. They're, they're passing the ball on about 55% of their downs. And and it's working, as you said, Gareth, earlier. They're on a five-game winning streak, largely because of his play. And uh, one of his uh, mate from Clemson that's with him. Uh, what do you guys make of Trevor Lawrence? Are you scared of him? Do you think he's... I I think he will end up being a lot better than he is now. Generational for sure. Uh, and he's got a good coaching staff behind him to get there. I think he's, he's taking the, the old approach of the QBs of gradually growing slowly but surely rather than hitting full speed the NFL and turning heads like Mahomes and Herbert have done recently. So yeah, I, th- I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I think it's well documented how much of a rough rookie season he had <laughs> with, only, um, with only 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. But he kind of followed that up in his next year, yeah. 25 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. I think it was 4,100 yards. And the way he's playing this season, he's, he's going on to do just as well as that second season, if not better. Um, and I think it'll all come down to whether or not the team stays injury-free to how his stats pad out. But actually looking at him from the eye test, it does look as though he's now settled into the game. And he is proving to the, be the player that everybody thought he would be back in the draft in 21. Yeah, I'm not sure he's quite there yet. I think he's still no, no, not yet. Growth. Not yet, but yeah. he, is pro- yeah, yeah, he is progressing though. He is progressing at a steady space. He, he still has these moments. He turns the ball over quite regularly, about probably about a time per game. He will throw a weird pick. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's a solid quarterback. I think definitely franchise QB worthy. And uh, I think obviously time will tell if that is true. But so far, I'm not overly scared of his skills and what he can do to us like Joe Burrow did to us but he can play like Joe Burrow he he has that in him I think and uh, we would be amiss to not pressurize him and leaving the you know the soft zone that we have been in a in a previous game that could have hurt us quite quite badly uh, let's move on to, to running backs because Before I think you that's... move on, I just on. want to point out I don't watch a lot of college football like you, but didn't Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields meet that year in a pretty epic game? They and did, I remember yeah. watching that game and equally, like you said, a lot of talk, Gareth, on the quarterbacks has been this is year two under mm-hmm. Peterson. And am I right in thinking, Angie, that Trevor Lawrence does a lot of RPOs, a lot of screens yep. to let him do yep. a lot of off-the-script plays, similar to what Peterson did when he was at the Eagles? Yeah, yeah, that's that's more a Peterson thing. I think it's a very QB-friendly, uh, you know, he made Carson Wentz look very good. So uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, MVP-level. Yeah, yeah, the Rams quarterback. Um, but we, we saw what Wentz did in other scenarios. Um, but yeah, I think he's very much held by Travis Etienne. Um, 
they played together at Clemson for four years, I think. So now that's seven years they played together at, at a high level. And as you said, Peterson is using the RPOs and screens and the fact that they know each other so well to attack defenses. And Etienne is very, very good. He's having a very good year. After same horrible rookie season where he broke his leg, I think. I can't remember, but he missed basically the entire season. Uh, I think probably a good thing for him, uh, considering how he went uh, overall in, in terms of coaching. Uh, but I think that's the main, to me, that's the main uh, threat that they have. Um, and we, we're going to need a much better game from Fred, uh, who really didn't play well against the Bengals, um, to, to clamp down on that. Do you guys afraid of Travis Etienne? Well, I mean, his season, he was a 1,000-yard rusher. He's already got 585 yards this season, averaging 9.8 um, yards per carry. So yeah. he had five fumbles his rookie season, not a single one this season. Yeah, yeah, he's um, definitely playing much better as well. I think he's adjusting yeah. a little bit to the NFL speed too. I mean, when they were at Clemson, those two were unstoppable. If it wasn't one, it was the other. And it, it took... Obviously, the one year and the second year, which was their rookie year, you know, to kind of get to grips. And yeah, Peterson puts them in a position to beat you, and they often do uh, if you leave them the chance. They're very good. Um, I will say the depth isn't the greatest. So I think if we can stop Travis Etienne, yes, they have Jamaica Lasty, but as you can see here, he's almost off the screen, he's number four on the depth chart. So uh, Tang Bixby, um, not quite sure how, how good he is. You know, it's a rookie. But yeah, the depth at running back is what is the scariest. Uh, if you want to move to other weapons and talk wide receiver, obviously they did the acquisition of Calvin Ridley uh, this season after his season-long season long, uh, suspension, which some people think is a little silly. Uh, but the rules are the rules. Apparently, you can't gamble. But, you know, if you hit women, you can play in three weeks. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's, it, it took a, little, a few weeks to get back to speed. Obviously, not playing for a year is difficult. But he's, him and Christian Kirk are basically the primary targets. Kevin Ridley is a speeders, speedster on the answer that can burn you. Christian Kirk is the bigger body uh, that will... It looks, it looks a lot like Ayuk without the hair. Um kind of possession guy you know that you can throw over the middle and it makes contested catches very well uh, those two guys i think are quite dangerous and can be dangerous and if you add that uh where's the other one uh, zay jones who looks like he's injured so he might not play but they have other weapons that can can hurt you too uh any worries here kevin ridley christian kirk do you think you guys our secondary can handle that. I think they're they're dangerous. There was a big surprise, I think, when Kirk signed for the money he mm, he signed for, and perhaps still hasn't broken out as the as the flash uh, wide receiver one. But if he's dependable and can run his routes and knows the scheme, then he's the kind of guy I think that he can end up having a hundred yard game out of nowhere. And you think, how did he get that many yards? And it's just that slow pickup but it's dependable he's open he makes the catch he moves the chains uh you did mention evan ingram i think there's there's a uh a, a bit of a threat there he's obviously an experienced yeah. tight end 
uh, and and has been one of the, perhaps certainly one of the better tight ends in the league without being necessarily one of the elite tight ends. But I think, again, they've got some reliability and dependability. And I think that comes back to, to Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't had that real flash wow game where he's really sort of dragged the team from nowhere. Uh, but his his floor is quite high. I think he, he does make mm. that odd mistake, but he doesn't make many. He just plays no. the system. He gets the ball out and he does what's required of him um, as a quarterback and does it to a high standard. So I think there is there is more in the tank um, to come from him. But they've probably I think they've got the, a nice balance there where the offense should be able to move and score points fairly reliably. Uh, and then I think their game plan is obviously to back it up with a defense that just stops your opponents a bit more than the, their offense gets stopped. So I think that's how they've been winning games. Yeah, I think you said it well. Um, they're extremely well coached and they do the thing they do really well. And it's not flashy. It's not eccentric, but it works and they're doing it really, really well. And I think the best stats that we can look at for this is that they're actually the least penalized team in, in the NFL right now. It's barely one per game on offense which is really, really impressive. And that comes down, obviously, to a very good O-line. These guys have been, again, I think when we played the Vikings, uh, it was kind of the same vibe. They've been together for quite some time. They know each other. And it, this same again. They, they might not be the best O-line in the league, but together as a unit, they're playing really, really well. Uh, they did just acquire Ezra Cleveland from Minnesota, uh, but it looks like he's got a bit of a knock, and it's going to take some time to adjust to this to this system probably uh although i i think as i said i think they're extremely well coached very sound very basic but very well and and that's always very hard to stop if it works and people do their job properly it's kind of the the old patriots way isn't it it just do your job and things will come uh, the way they should uh but yeah i they i think you're right the floor is high the ceiling not so much I think there are a team that can score 25, 30 points on you, but I don't see a, a team here that can go off the chart and score 45 and take the game away in, in a quarter or two. So they they are very good at hanging around and making no mistakes. So they can hang around. Uh, that's what they do. And they, they, as you said, they can move the ball and score uh, not easily, but they'll, they'll get there eventually. And I think that's, that's their strength for sure. Uh, but that's it. Unless you guys have got any questions. No, I'm glad you mentioned covered up. Sorry, sorry, Gareth, because I'm glad you mentioned the Cleveland trade, but it's a little bit of a worry for their offensive line that both the left guards, Sean is injured. So again, yeah. when you're kind of looking at your own kind of how can we exploit that? And especially with Chase Young coming in. because yeah. um, like you said, Nancy, they're quite solid. Um and you you mentioned it, Gareth. Christian Kirk, I think all of us when he signed that contract thought, what on earth were they giving him that money for? I'm a little bit nervous that they try to do the screens on us, you know, like what the Bengals yeah. did and what other teams have done. And like you said, Nanji, you've got the speed with Ridley and then you've got the big bodied receiver and Christian Kirk. But don't need to worry. Wilkes is on the sideline now, boys. We've just spent 10 minutes talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think. I think this is a perfect test to see if our defense is going to show better 
because we're going to need a better secondary because they do have the weapon that can hurt you. Uh, we're going to need more pressure because we are playing a quarterback that can hurt you against a good O-line. So I think this is maybe the best time we can play these guys um, to show if our defense is making the step to be you know, super, super Bowl contender rather than the poor showings we have been doing uh, so far. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll, this game will tell us quite a bit about where we are and, and where we're going. So, um, yeah, that's that's it. Thank you, Najee. Very thorough. How are you going to follow that up, Paul, with the D? Well, I was, was going to say, I'm glad we started with the offense, Najee, because when it comes to the Jaguars, there tends to be a little focus on the defense. It's a lot of talk of Trevor Lawrence, the, the weapons he's got, Peterson. But for me, if you look at the, the game tape this year, the defense needs its flowers. The 6-2 and two for a reason. Other than the blowout loss to the Texans, if you take that off, they're actually doing quite well in their second season under Mike Caldwell. And that should be attracting all your attention. Nadji's put the depth chart up on there for people watching. Now, I was quite intrigued that they've kept a lot of the starters from last year. And similar to what Nadji said on the offense, Gareth, they're well coached, they know the system, he puts them in positions to make plays. But they haven't had their first choice defence all season. They've had numerous injuries. Some of the names on there, I'm not even going to give Link Gowland the fantastic satisfaction of me getting them wrong. But uh, <laughs> the big thing about this defence, chaps, and for us 49er faithful UK, some people might get confused with what I'm about to say. The big focus on this defence is takeaways. Now, I don't mean your fast food restaurants and your takeaways, so just bear with me. But at the moment, they're actually tied with the Saints for 18, so the top of the NFL for takeaways at the moment, Gareth. If they continue on this pace, they will smash the franchise record of 33, which was set in 2017 by the Saxonville defence. You know, that nickname is well known. They haven't quite come up with a good one yet, uh, Gareth. I don't think takeaways and Jacksonville Jaguars quite mesh as well together. But the identity of this defence when I've been doing my homework is something they've focused on. They turned up in April for OTAs and in the lockers, there was a T-shirt hung up which said, think takeaways. Made me chuckle being an Englishman because if you think takeaways on this side of the pond, you're not thinking of taking the ball away. And it is something that is stuck. Now, what's interesting when you go into the season, Gareth, not much was expected from the defence, but go watch what they did against Kansas City. Go watch what they did against the Buffalo Bills. They're in the AFC, and at the moment, they're up there. They're in the mix. But when you look at the stats, which is quite interesting, they're not up there. And like Nancy said there, when you look at sometimes you've got to look at the eye test. Now, they're ranked 15th in points allowed, 21st in total yards, 26th in sacks, but they're taking the ball away and they're scoring points off that. And that, as we always say on this show, chaps, if you win the takeaway, you win, you win the turnover battle, you're going to do more good so in this is, league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there is one name I can <coughs> pronounce. And when I say Josh Allen, I don't mean the Buffalo Bills quarterback. Now, the linebacker is having arguably the best year of his career. Nine sacks, 48 QB pressures. You look in the safeties, Cisco, cornerback Darius Williams. They've both got three interceptions apiece. And the ball's been turned over, Gareth, because the pass rush is getting home. The only blitz on about 33% of the players, but the pressure that they're generating, it's forcing quarterbacks out of the pocket. It's forcing them to 
make mistakes. And equally, as we've seen, if you're chasing in games and you go pass heavy, you make mistakes and this defence has taken advantage. So they're not one to be slept on. Uh, I don't know whether I've got much more. I've got a lot of stats mixed in there, but Nadji's thrown me off with how good his offensive report was. Do you guys have any questions at the moment? Because like I said, the big thing in this defence is the way they turn the ball over. They look very solid. They've kept all the starters together. Mike Caldwell's very good at getting them in positions. He's similar to what we face this year, chaps. He puts his players in positions to make players. And that, for me, is quite dangerous. Um, mm. not, not so much questions, but just two observations from my um, my endless hours on um, PFF Mock draft, draft Simulator. Both Tyson Campbell and Andre Sisko are two players that I wanted the 49ers to take back in 21. And I think they went within the space of maybe 20, 25 picks of each other during that draft. And obviously both to the Jags as well. Um, and from what I gather, they're both starting to play really well. Yeah, they've got a good secondary. I like Rashawn yeah. Jenkins and, and Trey Handen has played played well for a while. Um, I mean, they've got Trayvon Walker, you know, number number one overall. And I think he's getting there as well now in his second season. Second season. Uh, I think he's adjusting, uh, not being a Georgia and being stronger than anyone. Um, yeah, I think the same again. They're dangerous. Turning the ball over is so good for you. It <laughs> we saw what we do. We turned the ball over too many times, three games in a row, and we lost three games. So um, we're definitely gonna have to clamp on that. I think having Debo back is wonderful to play that kind of defense yeah. because um, they are quite young. They've got lovely young people in in our in our defense. And, you know, if you look at the all here. As you said, Lee, 21, 21. So, you know, four year, three year starters at, at max. Um, there is a couple of old people on there, but uh, yeah, they were really well coached. Caldwell, you know, same again, has been in the NFL for this so long now um, and been successful in the NFL for so long. Um, we're going to have to, it's, it's a good test for our offense, see where we are, see if we can score more than 17. Well, we need to score more than 21, because if you take the Texans game out of the equation, Gareth, they've not given up more than 21 points a game. And I keep mentioning the Texans game, because I remember watching that in Red Zone, it was a bit of a shootout, a bit of a shock, but I lost that one. Um, six lowest conversion rate on third downs, the Jags. So teams are only converting about 34% on third down, Gareth. We've struggled on that. They're allowing the third lowest carry yards per carry at 3.6. So their run defense is pretty good. It's our strength. We like to think we can run the ball, but if we're going to struggle to run the ball, are we going to see Brock Purdy kind of not turn the ball over against the league's best at turning the ball over? That that That's the theme that got me excited for Sunday, like Nadji said. We need Brock to bounce back. I'd love to see our run game get going against a good defense, mate shut some of the naysayers up, dare I say it. But yeah, there's some names on there that I thought Lee was going to get try and get me to pronounce. I tried to <laughs> practice um, number 94, and I thought I'd get us kicked off YouTube if I tried to say that one out loud. So if any of you can say that better than I could probably say that's it, feel free. Fatakazi. Fatakazi, yeah. That's easy. What about the other name? His first name? Follow Ronzo. Could you imagine me trying to say it? That oh, all in one sentence. Yeah, I might you should try. Give it a go. Might do Give it on the uh, review try number, show. Try number 23. Come on. <laughs> oh, old, 
Auli Kuhn for Sidey. There man. you go, Ollie. I'll give you a it's bit so of fun. Good. It's so good. <laughs> but that, Gareth, is the defensive report. But the key thing to take away from this is the ball hawks, the hungry, they want to turn the ball over, and that's their main focus, and it's something that we need to be aware of. And I'm excited to see Carl Shanahan get into his bag of tricks and rip mm. up the uh, the stats on this defence. They've got a few fir- first-round picks on that uh, defence as well. Yeah, they so, And they're certainly looking at those years. They're players who should be... Uh, on on the ascendancy, I think so. Yeah. Maybe they've they've seemed to have put together a good young core of players who are growing together uh, and gelling together as a good defense. I think we you talked a little bit about it. I think we we need to cut out the penalties, need to cut out the mistakes, and need need to control the ball a little bit more. And if we can do that, I don't know that there's a lot on the defense to be hugely scared about though they have got some talent on the pass rush if we are going to be a little bit thin on the uh, offensive line so that could be something to watch out for and obviously that dangerous uh, secondary that's getting the the picks which has obviously been a bit of a story from Brock in the last few weeks so it's going to be a good test I think if we can play a clean game I think that's the sort of defense we should be putting points on um, so long as we're not beating ourselves which to a certain extent has been uh, a contributing factor in the last few weeks of losses So, we've covered the opponents. I think it's down to the the real business of the podcast and the score predictions. Oh, I forgot to... uh, I think Nagy's pulled out ahead, so that that means you're up first, Nagy, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Damn. I I was not prepared for this. Let me share it for the people that watch. There we go. Let me find the uh, over-under as well, because I, I forgot. Oh, I I'm surprised that yeah. spreadsheet works. I, I'm, I thought Lee might have deleted that one. Now he's not the top anymore, Nadji. So we are uh, three points favourite, which is really more like six, because we're away. Um, and the over-under is 45.5, I've got. That. It might change wherever you do your betting. Don't forget to bet responsibly, people. It's important. Not like Calvin um, I'm just buying time because I have no idea what I'm going to say. Um, mm. I think we're getting back to winning ways. Uh, this is a good East trip um, to a good team, but I think I think that the addition to Chase Young and uh, the bye week has definitely rejuvenated us a little bit. Debo back, I think, is the biggest thing, really. It's going to help. Uh, we're going to win uh, for 28-17. Uh, there we go. I've said it now. And um, mm. I will write it in. down. Locked it is in. locked in. 28-17. Unless it's raining. And then I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not allowed any unless. <laughs> Gareth has put his book no, down. Exactly. One one go at it and that's it. So, uh, Paul. 28-17. Paul, Lee, good. are you still neck and neck? Paul or Lee, I can't. Can't remember who did last time, so let's do Paul because you're below me on the yeah on the screen. So it won't surprise you, Gareth. I'm not going for a Jaguars win. Five Niners are winning this one. Very similar to Nadji's score at one point, but then he changed it a little bit. So I'm going for a 27 to 20 win for the 49ers. That's what I'm locking in on this one. Very good. So I'm Very going good. over the over under, which I had at 45 this morning, Nadji. So it's crept up a little bit, but yeah, 27 it depends to 20. Where. 
depends where it comes from. It I've got a bold prediction when we do that bit, but I think Debo is the key to this one. So I agree with Nadji. Go on, Lee. So interestingly enough, I'm going for a 27-20 victory as well for the 49ers. <sighs> Playing the game. 27-20. I knew we could see my notes. Where's our camera? <laughs> oh, it is, it's not just one. It's multiple cameras. Well, it's it's, fun, it's funny you should say that because I had something very similar, but I've just remembered I'm going to change tack from my tactic, oh, yeah. which is getting me nowhere. So I've thought about the score that I think is going to happen. Um, so I'm going to say something completely different. 35-13, cool. Niners win. Oh, that's a bit down. Yeah. Oh, Why no, not? That's, that's way too much. And on oh, Monday, yeah. sure, you'll have to share with us what you score. No, tell us now, tell us now, so we can yeah. laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have twenty seven twenty three. Okay. Okay. So but, we're all thinking kind of the same, which is more like us really. What's um, what's the worst that can happen? I score no points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's we're halfway through the season, right? You know, um same thing to play for. Yeah. What's the maximum amount of points we could have scored? So it's fifteen per week, right? So eight mm. times fifteen. What's that? Um, Eighteen seventeen fifteens. 120. <laughs> We've got <laughs> barely 40. However, if all of us were sat here with maximum points, Nadji, you said bet responsibly. We'd need to be putting <laughs> some money on if we were getting the scores right. I saw something about Christian McCaffrey. If you'd put bet on him scoring a touchdown yeah, every so game, the score game. Like, like it would have been like, you know, millions of yeah. pounds. But yeah, it's a bit of fun, which yeah, is made competitive. But, course. you know. All right, Baldies. Should mm, I go any first? Baldies. Mm. Yeah, right. you, it sounds like um, you're aiming to go first. Sorry, did, you, did, did you say baldies? Baldies, yeah. <laughs> That's what they call it. Not now. offensive sorry. on this show. No, baldies. So uh, you should go first if we're talking baldies. I think I always go first with the bold predictions. I think go, I should go, go last first. this time. I'll go first. I, I've got two. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on your toes, though, Paul. So I'll leave the offense one because I think we've got one similar about Debo. Uh, but I think Hoff and Gibson will get a pick. In this game, two picks, half Gibson. Nice. Is that bold? Yeah, it's pretty bold considering they really haven't done much. Well, I'm glad you went down that path because I decided to stay away from the defensive side of the ball and I focused on the offensive side. Now, people might just chuckle at this one, Gareth, but I've just bigged up the defence being the best at taking the ball away. My bold prediction is this defence, the Jags defence, doesn't turn the ball over. Zero interceptions, zero fumbles. But I thought, I can't just be that boring. Debo Samuel comes back, two touchdowns, both rushing touchdowns as well. Ooh, May I, I like there. that. I like so that. I'll sprinkle that cool. in. There you go. Very nice. Go on, Gareth. Ooh, Lee, you were keen. Ollie. Go on, Lee. Don't fight. Still thinking. Oh. Oh no, no, no! I was, was going to wait until last. Okay, well, if you, okay, you wait until, no, no, if you want to wait until last, um, my my predictions are usually a, an indication of what won't happen in the game. So I have been a bit worried about what to say, um, but I am I'm go, I'm going to stick my neck out. Uh, I think I think uh, George Kittle is going to have a game, 150 yards and a TD for George. Nice, I like it. Carrying on on the form, that's good. Okay then, so my, my flavour of the uh, the last two games, Randy Gregory's out the door now. Let's go for Chase Young is going to have three sacks. Yay. I like it. Nice. 
would love to see ultimately mean he gets none. I mean, I think I actually think this week is the week you should go Randy Gregory because with Chase Young and Bosa, he's going to get one on ones, which he'll win. So. Well, I like Lee's thought process, because for all the no, talk yeah. before we finish off that boss has been terrible, I saw a stat earlier, Gareth, that he's won, boss has won 23% of his pass rushing opportunities this year, which is the third best in the NFL. So mm. if that's a bad season so far for Nick Bosa, but I'd this take Chase Young having that game, Lee, but Gregory This, this Jackson, narrative, we haven't talked about it too much, but this narrative that our D-line isn't quite as, I mean, yes, in the stats, they don't, but the QBs, like, we're, we're getting skimmed out of it so much. It's crazy. Mm. Q, QBs so are get, getting the ball out quick. And, so and they're, quick be, they're beating against it. Us. Yep. And I think I the, don't know if you saw, the coverage sorry. hasn't picked up on... Well, yeah, the, the, the coverage hasn't been able to keep up with it. Did you see that footage, Gareth, of um, Burroughs where it looked like Armstead was going to sack him? Then he rolled off, like the old 22, and it looked like Borsa got a hand on him and then he rolled out again. And you think... That's what we talk about with this game we love. It's a matter of inches. When you watch that slow mm. down and you watch it from the all 22 and you think, how has he escaped from that? And sometimes playing against elite QBs, that's, that's what they can do. That's what they can do. That's what they can do. Any final thoughts on the game? I think we've we've been pretty thorough. Yeah, well, P- PSAs, but not on the game. Let's go on, go on a no. PSA then. Well, there's a bunch of meetup happening, yeah. I think, and it's really cool to see. I, I, I think that's the real reason this group exists. And yeah, definitely. I, I, well done, everyone that has, or is trying to put something on, or is putting something on and going. I know Paul's got the list of everything there's that's happening. Four. Yeah. four of them. It's it's great. I, I absolutely love it, and I've been invited to one. I can't go because I'm working. Um, but yeah. I just want to commend, you know, on the eve of all of us going to San Francisco and uh, that trip and everything that this group is meant to do for this particular trip, seeing this just the way before, people just getting together to watch Niners football, it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I I cannot wait to see the pictures and see the experience of people and, and all that. It's great. Uh, yeah, so happy about it. It's, it's amazing. Good call. Good call, Nadji. I not only have the list, Nadji, but I think there's some love got to be given to the organisers. Now, I shouted these people on Tuesday, because like you said, Nadji, blown away. If we weren't going to the gold mine, there's all four. I would have made an effort to try and get to. So the first one that was organised was Glasgow. So Alan Gow and Barry Gray were keeping their fingers crossed for the Sky game. Now, normally I get annoyed when the Sky game is announced and we're on there, but given that I knew these meetups were going ahead, you've got one in Wakefield, Andrew Lund has arranged that one. Manchester, which again, Maggie, the Brotherhood's one of my favourite places we've had a meetup at. That's Georgina Hemstrich-Johnston, so she's put a post in the group. And then I don't know whether Gary, Gary Thorpe from our admin, is doing one in Reading, or London, yeah, it so. just says London slash southeast. But the reason for naming them, Gareth, is if anybody is in the area of them four, reach out to those four guys. They're arranging it all. And like you said, Nadji, absolutely fantastic. And it is well documented. I'll give <laughs> oh, that one it. there on the show. It, it to, is well that documented down. that this group is fantastic. And I'm making this night here. I'm making this night, but it's worth it because I agree with you, Nadji. It's, it's amazing to see people arranging the local meetups and I will encourage it. I will promote it. I will do what I can to support. 
So there you go. No, notice I wasn't very loud there because I didn't want the clip. <laughs> <laughs> no, good, yeah, good shout out to the organisers, and and yeah, and thanks to you, Paul, yeah. who always helps promote the the stuff that other people are doing, helps get the word out to to everybody. But it is good to see these little little clusters and meetups happening around yeah, the country, cool. official or unofficial. Niners get together, get somewhere comfortable with a big TV and shout go Niners. So there's nothing better yeah. than watching the game with, that's a with good, that's, that's the best, strangers best who very quickly become friends. Yeah. Friends already. You just don't know it. Yeah. Friends you haven't met yet. That's right. So I think that wraps it up. Thank you lads. And thanks. Well, every. Ooh, I, 6 PM game go, sky. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Sky. So obviously mm. blackout on dozen. Whatever that is, um, I'm I'm starting to think we should start a petition or something to for this blackout thing because UK is the only country that does it. Yeah. Of course, it's money. Of course, Sky Sports is paying a lot of that to whoever to get it, and I don't think it should happen. I I think it's disgraceful that people pay it's, for a service that's expensive and it's denial of service. Um, it's denial. You are, of you service. are denied exactly. that service. It's what thirty three percent of the games, and we're trying to encourage people to watch the games legally. Yeah. We're trying to encourage and people. It's... Like I say, I get my game pass every year, and I've tried to suck it up when the games haven't been available. But it it is it is a little frustrating. That's why I was glad the watch parties were happening. But you think, yeah, like you said, Naja, I would be on on board with that, and I think other fan bases will be as well because I don't think it it would take away from the Sky coverage. Was a lot watching I don't game think pass. so. I, I uh, don't think Sky is getting any subscription purely for the NFL. I don't think so. I think most NFL fans that will watch games on Sunday will go to Dazen or uh, or they already have Sky and they watch it anyway. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? And they'll just watch whatever is on. Um, yeah, I, I really don't understand it. And I think it's malpractice, really. And it's just greedy. Let's just let's make so somebody makes a petition, I'll sign it. You should, you should definitely, I think, when you subscribe, be able to have one team that you can always watch. Because if if yeah. they're blacking out the other games, fine. I, I don't care. I'm not interested in, yeah. in, in watching them. But I'm paying to watch the Niners, and I am denied to do so. And I don't get any money back. And, well, nor, nor the rest of you. It's not just me. Um, and yet yeah. I am denied access to the games that I have paid for. So, uh, good point, Nadji. Yeah, well, we'll... Uh, well the yeah, and unfortunately, the, the Dazzle thing doesn't work with a VPN, so you, you can't even get around it anymore. Mm. Um so it's it's not even like oh well it's fine you do this and it works um, you you can't so now you're literally locked out unless you buy Sky mm. which is shouldn't shouldn't yeah denial of service as you said so I will they, be staying out of the game day threads Gareth because I'll be watching on a Sky Go password which is notorious for being slow so I may jump in the game day threads ten minutes after a play's happened because I don't want to be spoiled for myself well you could so, just uh, 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 go on. Uh, uh, are we not going to stop to watch this game on Sunday night? <laughs> if I wasn't is that, going, is that, is that if, your way of breaking the news to us? If I wasn't going to San Francisco in seven or days' time, seven days, then yeah. I would have I would have arranged a local watch party. But given the fact that I'm heading yeah. across the pond with you, fine gentlemen, I have no, said join, that I'll be staying at home to watch it. So join the Discord. It's a, it's cool. We're calling Discord. Um, Matt last week was about a minute behind, I think, and just embraced it and just enjoyed the the experience and 
the fact that he's with us rather than watching a game. And he got the explosion, did whatever happened, and then he saw it happen. I don't think it takes that much away. Spoilers are not a thing. You know me better than you know myself, Matt. I'll be there. I'm saying this now. It'll come Sunday night, and I'll be like, I can't stay away from my phone. For the the people that think spoilers are a bad thing, just Google spoiler research out of Berkeley. Somebody's made that, and spoilers are good for you, apparently, according to this research. So, you know, just join in. Just join in Discord. It'll be fun. And on that happy note, let's wrap it all up. (laughs) Thank you, gentlemen, and thanks to everyone who listens and watches the show. Where do you think the game is going to be won and lost? Let us know in the comments when we post the podcast. We will be back next week to review the Jags game. And probably do a little bit of looking ahead to the small matter of the 49er faithful in the gold mine for the Buccaneers game in week 11 at Levi's. Um, I think we can't wait, can we? So enjoy the weekend and go Niners. Go Niners. Go Niners. Bang, bang, nan again. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with Rob Tom. John Tiller, Jerry Rice down the side.